just a brief introduction um, about you. I have read about you. In fact, I was looking at a picture you had on Wikipedia from um, Gradec 2008. That was quite old. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while. Yeah, it's been a while, but it's actually nice uh, to see that picture. And then the, the bargain, um, what you used for the ID card, I liked that you had the GNOME um, badge on it. It was really nice. I was looking at the pictures like, this is really, really nice to see. Yeah, how's, how's GNOME these days? You're on the board, right? Yes, I'm on the board. GNOME is fine. There's a whole lot going on. I think we'll be talking about that as we go on with this conversation. Okay. Yeah, so just a brief introduction. Um, hi, everyone. Thank you for coming to um, listen to Open Source Stories with, with Regina. Um, today, I'm glad to have with me Stormy Peters. She is currently the VP of Communities at GitHub, and she has done quite a lot of work within open source projects and communities. And so, um, Stomi, I'm so happy to have you here. We have quite a lot of conversation to have today. Um, I'm excited to, to be here talking to you. Thanks for inviting me. And yeah. hello to everybody in the audience. <laughs> yeah, I'm so glad as well. Um, I was thinking of how, how best to start off this conversation. Um, rather than having to want to know your story around how you started within open source projects, open source communities, how did you start? Yeah, I, I had, so I think I always had an affinity for open source even before I knew it existed. Um, I remember being in college and we'd get these assignments and everybody in the class, like all hundred people would go off and do the, write the exact same, would write different code to do the exact same thing. And I was like, this is so stupid. Like, why are we all like rewriting stuff instead of working together? Mm. Um, and then I ended up at Hewlett Packard and I was managing the, the CDE team, the user interface for HPOX. And I went to a standards meeting and I was like appalled to find out that like every company had a team of people that were creating a, a, creating code to the exact same standard that did the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. And I thought, what a waste of effort. Like all these people could be working together and sharing code that does the same thing. And, and that was about the time that, that Linux had come out. And I discovered that there was like several projects out there, GNOME and KDE, that did the same thing as CDE, but people were collaborating on them and working on them together. And I was like, we could do that. Um, so that's how I got started in open source. Wow, wow, wow. This uh, more like um, made me think about basically what made what um, inspired me to come into GNOME. And, and that was basically because I was, um, I'd been lecturing within Linux and software engineering in the university. And I'd used GNOME desktop a lot, but I, I didn't know the community that was developing. So when I found out about GNOME 2, I was like, wow, what a great way to see the communities that are developing this desktop application that I've leveraged for years. So I think that's one of the exciting thing about um, open source. You get to um, more like understand what code collaboration can do and the impact it can bring within technology as a whole. So I, I, I often get questions around how um, do you find it convenient as a woman to contribute to open source for as long as you have done? Um, do you find it convenient? Do you have a strategy that has worked for you? 
Yeah, so it sounds like like what you found in the GNOME community. I, I'm an open source because I really love the people in the community. And so I found it extremely supportive. Um, I found everyone in open source extremely supportive. So the men have been supportive, but I also feel like even though there's, there may be less women than men in the community, I'm friends with many, many women in open source. It's, it's kind of like you, you notice them and you seek them out at events. And um, so I've just had a very positive experience from a community perspective. And I count some of my oldest friends um, are from the open source software community. Um, so I, I've really enjoyed um, my path through open source. Yeah. Um, I was speaking to a particular lady, um, I think that was about two weeks ago, and one of the things we highlighted in that conversation was basically women, we generally evolve around our career goals and what we intend to achieve. How were you able to manage your career, your personal life, and then an open source contribution all together? Yeah, I think I've gotten really lucky and fortunate that open source has been part of my work life and my mm. career. I know that not everybody has been able to do that. Um, I'm actually working on that at GitHub. Like, how do we make open source more sustainable and and get some of the the value that big companies are seeing? How do we enable that to flow to the open source software developers themselves um, so that they can continue to make you know reliable, secure software for the whole world? Mm. Um, so, I, I but I feel very fortunate that my work life and personal life have been very, my work life and my career uh, open source work have been very tied together. Um, I did make a joke when my kids were little, someone asked me how I did it all. And I was like, I, I think there's, there's three things. There's like your personal health, there's your family life and there's your work life. And I was like, I can only do two at once. <laughs> um, so I feel like you just have to rotate them through which one you focus on. Um, and at that time, I felt like my my health maybe suffered the most, my workouts and stuff. Um, as my kids have gotten older, I've been able to to build those back in. Um, but it, it's it's hard to find time in life for all the things that that we wish we could focus on. There's just so many problems to solve, things to learn. Yeah, there's so many problems to solve. There's so many things to learn, and you just have to be able to pick one at a time. Honestly, that's that's valid and that's true. Um, this basically you know, bring me down to one of the inspiration I had for having to interview women like you within the open source ecosystem that have done incredible work is basically that I found that there had been very less of human participation within the open source community. And for me, it's worrisome um, because I feel like we, right now, I was reading um, the research from Linux Foundation, another research was done within Apache, and both research we're talking about, um, generally women contribution within open source is less than 7%. It means that we have, um, compared to contributions within proprietary softwares, that is um, women within tech, um, is generally better than what we have within the open source community. And for me, I feel like that's trouble. That's troubling. Like, what is really going on within open source? Because I feel like what we share within the open source community is something that should birth collaboration and even more participation from, you know, both genders, regardless. Uh, um, what would you say is one of the reasons why we have low participations of women within the open source community? Um, projects and communities um, at the moment? 
Yeah, I think it's a, it's a really good question and one that we should all focus on and all care about um, because I, I feel like we're leaving, like I, when I talk to projects, I'm like, you could have twice as many contributors if you had more women on your team because there's like a whole population of women out there mm-hmm. that aren't working on anything. So like if, if you tried to recruit from them, you could like double the size of contributors you have. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then above and beyond the numbers, there's also just, we want software that reflects um, all the needs of, of all of our users and, and, you know, each, each group of the population is going to have a, a slightly different way they use it or different needs. And so we need to make sure that we're um, including everybody in the, in the creation of the software so that we're including everybody in, in, in how it works. So I think it's a, it's an extremely important question. Um, also not to mention all the women that could have fabulous careers, um, in, in software and in open source and discover all the things that you and I have discovered mm-hmm. uh, that make for a fulfilling career and, and bring lifelong friends. Um, so I, super important um, as to why there aren't more women. I know there's been lots of studies done. I know everybody has a theory. Um, I try, I, I found um, early in my career when I was trying to convince my, my female friends to, to work in open source software, it was, it was often a, a time thing. Um, they were less less willing to give up some of their you know their free time you know they had lots of like we talked about earlier they had lots mm-hmm. of commitments um, at work and at home um, and just finding the time to pick up a, a hobby that seemed a lot like their work um, was was hard it was hard to convince them I did manage to convince a couple mm-hmm. um, but it it was there was a, it seemed like there was a time barrier whereas it seemed like some of the the men who had gotten started in open source, I didn't try to convince people that weren't in open source, but the ones that had gotten started had often done it in the evenings or in their free time or on their weekends. Um, and it was hard to convince people to give that time up. Yeah, I, I think also that time is one is a factor. Um, but detailing down to the past interviews that I've had and those that I've spoken to, one of the troubling issues that came up was basically that Sometimes within this open source projects, women are spoken down on and are not given the opportunity to thrive. And so most times they step back in their contribution. Um, Listening to these women talk about their different experiences, um, do you think that there are things that we could do um, as women, one, as people that are within leadership, within the open source a community that could create more like an enabling space for women within open source projects or newcomers that are women that are going to be um, likely going to contribute to open source. Yeah, I think we could do a couple of things. Um, so I had an experience where I convinced a, a, a friend um, to help out with some marketing needs that Gnome had actually. Mm-hmm. And uh, she spent a lot of work writing up a case study. And then when she submitted it to the, the mailing list and said, look what I've created, um, the first set of feedback she got from everybody was very critical. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, so I think that's not maybe necessarily just for women, but I think in general, we need to be very conscious of someone who's new to the community and making their first contributions and being very supportive and very, and very positive at first. And I think, I think we get into the mode online in particular, not just open source, but online where you just give your feedback um, Mm. and you don't think about how you're saying it or framing it. And I think, you know, maybe someone who's 
contributed a couple thousand times is like whatever. Um, but someone who's brand new who's making their first contribution, like yeah. if they get initially negative feedback, it's, it's like you're not going to go back and do something again for free for these people because like <laughs> they didn't appreciate it. Yeah, of course, <laughs> of course. I mean, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, and, so, and the, yeah, so, and the, my, that would be my first thing, like making sure newcomers are, are like get good feedback. But second, I think mentors um, help a lot, like someone you can um, someone you can like talk to and ask your stupid questions and will hold your hand. Um, I remember Sage Sharp talking about her um, their first uh, uh, kernel um contribution and uh, they said they were just sitting on the sofa um was just kind of terrified to hit the enter button and and submit this thing to you know the kernel mailing list and it was having someone next to them to like say you can do it and you know push the button um that really helps so i think also having mentors really helps yeah i i mean the part where you talked about criticism i i started laughing immediately because i remember the particular story as well um from one of the ladies i interviewed and she said that a lady had come into the community for the first time and she um she was going to contribute for to python or something and she submitted a particular question and she said that everyone within the committee com committee that they had laughed at this girl for being an intern that she was an intern that's why i felt like it was a really great pushback and when you were talking about that i think constructive criticism is one thing that is a factor to how we you know work with newcomers i mean what would you basically expect a newcomer to know or what would you basically expect um an intern to know it, they are there because they need to be helped and all of that and I, and also just to add to that that the gap we have within women and open source projects is quite large. And so when a woman is coming into an open source project, it's, it's, a, it's enough to know that she's likely not to find people like ourselves in that community. And the best we can do is to be as nice as possible. Um, not basically, I, I wouldn't say it's um, favoritism, right, uh, giving more um, place to women. But I think that is something that is necessary to basically help bridge the gap and the imbalances that we have at the moment. And so that basically takes me to one of the comments you made about talking about talking to communities within GitHub about how they could generally involve open source developers into the core um, um, structure of um, giving them a hand to continue to develop um, open source softwares. Do you think that this is um, going to basically help within more like sustaining an open source project? And will it in any way create um, some sort of um, strategy that would help um, participation of women as well within those projects? Yeah, so, so we actually, um, so GitHub has an all-in um, project all in for maintainers and we talked to a lot of people in the open source software community um i, I think i think we we surveyed like seven thousand people and we heard from like um 300 uh, maintainers as we were doing our, our listening tour and we launched an all in for maintainers um which is it, it provides um training and technical support for maintainers on how to how to um increase diversity and inclusion in their projects so if you, if you go to um, 
if you, if you Google all in for maintainers or all in and GitHub, um, it'll take you to the, to the webpage and there's talks and resources. Yeah. Yeah. That would be a very nice one to look at after this talk. So if you're listening to this um, and you're a maintainer of an open source um, project, go in there and see for yourselves how you can begin to, you know, drive diversity within your project. That takes me to more like my next question. And that's basically um, about, in your own experience, basically, um, what would you say that are some of the most exciting things that kept you going in your open source contribution? So the most exciting things that kept me going was, was like that we were creating real things together. Like mm -hmm. people were really, really passionate about the problems they want to solve and they, they come together and they're working on solving real world problems together. Um, and some of them get paid and some of them are doing it on a volunteer basis. I remember at, at the Guadics that I went to, mm -hmm. um, some people would bring their families because they're like, I can't take vacation from work and go to this conference and not bring my family. Um, so it was, it was really a whole community of people talking about very real problems and coming up with ways to solve them. And that's, that's what I really like about open source. Mm. Yeah, I mean, um, the whole idea of basically, you're right, having to know that what we're creating is real and people are happily using these tools and the developers are happy as well, as well as something that is inspiring. And I think this brings me down to one of the reasons why one would basically want to last long within the open source space is basically the inspiration you get from what you're creating. And that keeps you going you know, every, every, every time you get to you know, come closer to such communities. Um, you spoke about mentorship as one of the ways that we could improve diversity. We have several mentorship programs going on at the moment. Um, Outreach is one of them. And several projects within open source space has leveraged um, Outreach as a way to bring in um, newcomers into their own projects. Do you think that we have enough of this project within the open source space? Um, and what then do we do if, we, if you say yes, or if you, if you go the other way, what do we do to imp improve on this type of projects um, within the open source space? And how do we um, ensure that projects leverage these you know, um, mentorship opportunities or mentorship programs? Yeah, so, so I think Outreachy um, is, is even more than a mentorship program. It's mm -hmm. an internship program. Um, we actually started it in the GNOME project. Um, it was a summer, I don't remember what summer it was, like 2006 or 2008, um, somewhere in there. Um, all of our Google Summer of Code applicants were male. Yeah. Like every single one of them. Um, and, and so we thought, well, how do we, we, we can't even pick any women because there's, there's none here to pick from. Um, so we started the GNOME Outreach for Women. I think I've got, remember the name, right? GNOME Outreach for Women program. Um, and we had, I think we had six the first summer. We had six slots that we got funding for. Um, and it was just for, for women um, who wanted to come be interns at GNOME. Mm -hmm. um, and it went on to live with, you know, it grew into Outreachy and went on to live with the Software Freedom Conservancy and I think is, is a really awesome um, program now. Yeah. Um, so I think, I think those programs are, are essential for open source mm. um, and for bringing in new people. Like it gives you space and funding and time to, to try this out um, and, and a structure and someone to help you. Um, but I also encourage everyone, like I, I think um, tr official mentorship 
programs are really great for like bringing you in and pairing you with people when you're very new to the community. But I I think, I think all of us have mentors um, and all of us are mentors that Mm -hmm. don't often have that title. So like, Mm -hmm. I encourage you to think about like all the people, you know, in the community you want to be part of as a potential mentor and feel free to like reach out and say, Hey, I know you're really good at, um, finding people to help you respond to your PRs. Would you mind talking to me for an hour about that? Um, you know, and anyone can be a mentor at any time and all of us need mentors at different points. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think it has to be like an official program where you get assigned someone. I think you can make it happen. Yeah, um, you're right with that. I mean, um, everyone needs mentors at a, at a particular time in their career. And if we have this um, idea and we know about these things, I think individually we can begin to drive to even bringing in more newcomers, um, um, women into the projects that we are basically working on. Um, that takes me, when you spoke about submitting of PRs and all of that, and it, you know, it, it reminded me quickly about, about a lady that was, um, I was interviewing, um, and she, she mentioned one of the challenges that she faced within our project was that it wasn't about us submitting a PR as a woman. It was about getting that PR matched or getting that PR accepted. Um, and she feels like if she doesn't know anyone or she has not gone for conference or anything, it seems as though women are not basically recognized to do certain changes within different projects and all of that. Do you think that there are ways that we could see that um, the contribution of women as, as seen through from the beginning, that means from the project life cycle, see that when they submit the PR, they are actually looked at and, you know, giving proper feedback within different projects? Do you think there are strategies that we can put in place to see that this um, um, works? Yes, Um let me, let me, I'll answer that one. And then I, I'd like to go back to the, the previous mentorship topic uh, for a second too. Um, but on the PRs, I, I think one of the best things you can do is, is put um, policies in place or, you know, mm-hmm. standards of, of practice for your project so that you're not just reviewing the ones that came in. Obviously, you're going to review ones from people that have been part of your community for a long time and, and you know they're good and you know that they're, they, they're going the same direction as you. You want to get those through quickly. Um, but I think it helps to have, if you want new people to join your project and you want diversity, I think it helps to ha- set expectations and and tell people um, what the process is and when you'll get to it. So uh, maybe your project says, you know, we'll, we'll review all PRs within three days and we promise to give some kind of feedback within a week or I don't know what the, the time frame is for the type mm. of project. You know, it's probably different for each project, but I think having like a standard means that you're not accidentally... Um, leaving a newcomer hanging and waiting longer than someone who's been in your community um, for a while or someone whose name you recognize. And you just eliminate bias if you have like a a process you follow. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But um, back to the the mentoring thing, I think the other thing we can all do is, is recognize newcomers and take a moment to, to welcome them. It's, it seems kind of small, but I, I go to CrossFit every morning. I go to the gym And whenever there's a new person, the coach always says, you know, 
hey, Jess is dropping in today. Everybody like say hi. And everybody mm -hmm. says, hi, Jess. And then at some point during the class, I'll always go up and say, you know, hi, I'm Stormy, you know, mm -hmm. uh, how long you've been doing CrossFit. And I think I try to do that at conferences as well. Like when I see, I always try like at lunch to sit with a table I don't know. Um, if someone is, is sitting by themselves at a keynote, maybe I'll sit next to them and chat with them. Mm -hmm. But I think it's really important that we just take a, a minute to welcome someone because they're probably sitting there going, oh my gosh, I don't know anybody. And this is like, nobody said hi to me and I'm not very welcome here. Um, so if we just, that, that short interaction at lunch or in between talks or online, um, you know, in a Slack channel or an email message can make a big difference, I think. Mm. Yeah, I mean, um, talking about that is something that I, I, I think, uh, I, I've seen several projects do. Um, not really as though it is very um, consistent uh, along, um, I mean, among, among different projects, especially projects that have been way back. But open source projects that are, that are coming up at the moment, they're having new ways to work on new commands. And old projects, for instance, as, uh, like GNOME, are beginning to think about how they can better work with what they have with the new commands, improve diversity, and all of that. And I think they could also be standardized, standardized, standardization, rather, and policies around um, regions of, contribution, of contributors, um, for instance. There are several regions that you are not likely to have contributions from and if that region is um, 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 not uh, very well represented within your community I think that's a good thing as well to look into those regions and see the PRs that they've submitted and you know give them feedbacks and all of that to encourage um, contributions from from um, you know th those communities as well and Ryan yeah yeah go ahead well I I Yes, and I think um, regions also often benefit from um, from sub-community groups that speak in their language. Um, so, for example, with GitHub Education, uh, one of the things that we've done is, is we have campus experts, like um, students on campuses who are open source ambassadors and, and want yeah. to talk about GitHub and share how they work. And they, they can have talks in their time zones and in their languages. So, like, mm -hmm. even during COVID, they, they moved to Twitch. Um, and they could have Twitch talks during a time that made sense for that community and in a language that they spoke. Um, and I think that's often important in, in introducing new regions because everybody you're trying to reach might not might not be awake when you're awake and might mm -hmm. not speak the language you speak. Mm. I think it's a great idea to have that in different languages as well. I think that's a brilliant idea um, for GitHub education because I, I also feel like it's important to have... Um, um, projects spoken in different language so everyone can basically understand that. Not every country has English as their lingua uh, franca. So going into the next question, and I will be wrapping up because I promised you 30 minutes, and then we have um, a few time for questions. Um, if um, if someone wants to ask a question. Um, so do you have any um, new stuff coming up that you would like listeners to know about? Um, personally or within GitHub? So, so new stuff. Um, I'm, I'm hiring someone to, to help with, I mentioned earlier that um, we're looking at ways to make open source more sustainable for mm -hmm. developers. Um, we've had a couple of projects like GitHub sponsors where companies or individuals can donate to develop, you know, 
developers that maybe they use their software and they want to appreciate them. Mm -hmm. um, we have the accelerator program running right right now, which is like a yeah, a paid 10 week period where you can try to take your project to the next level. Yeah. Um, so we're, we have GitHub Fund, which is like a venture capital. So we're working on different ways to try to bring funding um, to the developers that created the software that's so successful. Wow. Um, yeah, so we're hiring someone to, to lead that group. Um, so I'm super excited about what we're gonna try next and, and how we're going to evolve that. Um, it's, you know, we've, we've had like $33 million go through GitHub sponsors, but like, I think we could do even better. So yeah. um, I'm excited about that. Uh -huh. And then on the GitHub education side, I think what's really exciting right now is, is AI. I mean, I know it's, I know it's a buzzword. <laughs> I know everybody's <laughs> yeah, saying AI. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I really feel like it's game changing. Like yes. a student anywhere in the world can have a Chromebook and log in to GitHub and get code spaces. So they have a much more powerful computer. Yeah. And then if they don't know what they're doing, um, they can type in comments and use um GitHub Copilot to like show them how to get started and, and start writing that code for them. And they can learn by watching and asking questions and doing. And to me, that brings, you know, student, a lot of students around the world don't have a computer science program or a computer mm. science professor to go to. Yeah. Um, so it, I think it's, I think it's awesome. It's super exciting. Yeah. Uh, but I can't say when you were speaking, I just kept smiling because mainly um, the possibilities of what GitHub is doing is basically not within um, a particular region. It's something that could span across the world. It's a global project, something that would impact even underrepresented areas um, um, when it comes to technology. So I think that is an awesome um, um, project that is going on within GitHub at the moment. It's an, it's an awesome one. Um, so uh, yeah. I was thinking... Um, what would be your advice for someone um, that is coming into um, a new comma in open source, a woman that is looking for a project to come into? What would be your advice to them? I, I would look for a space that you're passionate about, um, whether it's like educating new students around the world in open source, or if it's um, running home automation software or like something that's a problem that that you want to solve something that you're excited about or you know maybe it's helping um, with software to, to solve the coral reefs problem right now like what, whatever it is like find something you're passionate about and then ex explore the community like mm. try introducing yourself see what reaction you get don't assume that the first project you find is going to be the one that like is the right fit for you mm -hmm. um, just, just like um, when you explore new cities, like some cities to me, like just feel like home and some cities like just don't do it for me. I think projects are like that, right? Like they, one of them will feel like home. Hmm. 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 I mean, somebody says something um, in one of the interviews and she said, um, listen to your intuition. And I was like, what is your what what do you feel about the community you are in so that's really true look for somewhere that feels like home that you're comfortable in and um there's one last question you know i was asked to ask you uh, basically i just <laughs> remembered now and it's more like someone that is contributing within outreach and marketing which is something that i also started within the gnome project right feels like the community that is within that that she's within 
does not value our contribution as though it's not it's not um like it's not an important contribution and she really likes the community post she doesn't see that i give value to what she's doing what would you say that this um lady should do So I think I think we're all as humans not great at giving positive feedback to the things that are just happening. Um, so it's possible her project just values what she's doing, but doesn't. No one sees the need to say thank you or or, or tell her. That's one possibility. Um, what I would suggest is doing a not a survey like a written survey, but asking people like, "Hey, this is what I've been working on." Um, here's a couple directions that I'm thinking about going. Um, which one do you think would benefit the project most and, and why? Um, so kind of going out to solicit that feedback to see if they find it useful and, and giving them a voice in the direction always makes them feel like they have more at stake and makes them appreciate it more later. Um, but in the end, if, if the project isn't valuing what she's working on, I would, I would I, there are projects out there that very much value um, marketing and outreach so I would I would find one that appreciated your work mm -hmm. yeah find one that appreciate work or try to see what else you can do I think that would be a wrap for our interview today do you have any question for me <laughs> what's next for you like what are you excited about at Gnome like how is it these days uh I haven't it's one of my favorite communities, but I haven't been actively involved lately. Okay, yeah. I mean, what am I excited about? One, I'm excited about um, we are currently running diversity um, within GNOME at the moment. And I, I did a personal, um, more like an individual research last year, which I presented to the board. And um, practically, we can see that we have to do a lot of work within diversity in GNOME at the moment. So now we are looking to, for ways to get more diverse people into the community. We are working with the Chaos Project, which is quite interesting. And I am going to Lagos, although I'm a keynote speaker, but aside from being a keynote speaker, I would be also talking to people about the GNOME Project. For the first time, we became a sponsor within a project in Africa, which is quite good. So I think that I'm excited that GNOME is stretching outside um, what we what we would normally do, which I, that makes me feel like part of the goals that I set to achieve within the GNOME project is, you know, it's been, it's materializing gradually. And there's a whole lot of support, not just within the board, but also um, the um, maintainers as well of um, within GNOME. So that's quite, that's one thing that is really, really exciting for me. And then, awesome. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to get Lagos, honestly. Um, apart from just having to speak as a keynote, but I think having to speak to people about what GNOME is and what we're doing at the moment, I think is a very good step forward for other people to basically understand what the GNOME project is about and how they can participate within the GNOME project. And we're also doing quite a lot of work within Altuchi at the moment. Altuchi, that within GNOME now, we have diverse people, not just Africa, but also Asia, participating in the internship. That's a, you know, that, <laughs> that's a very, I'm so excited about that because it means that the community as a whole is stretching outside of what it has been for the past 20 something years. And I'm glad that that is happening within my time at the board. Uh, 
Another thing that is exciting for me is this conversation that we're having at the moment. Um, I, I, I thought to myself, what, what else do I want to give to open source? What else do I want to share um, um, within open source? And I felt like there's a problem and how, how can I help in my own little way to solve that? And I thought, um, stories, listening to your stories, sharing it out there for free for people to listen as well. I feel like that would encourage one woman, anyone out there to, you know, to basically see open source as a place that they can thrive. I mean, listening to your success story and the things you've achieved and other women out there, I think that could be a very good push for, you know, other women um, that are finding it difficult or doesn't even know that open source is a very good way um, to come into technology or something like that. So that's uh, something again that is, um, that I'm excited about. Yeah, that's within GNOME. Then personally, uh, my uh, project, uh, my foundation, Open Open Kids Africa, we are basically using open digital resources that are free for kids within Africa and rural societies to basically give them tech skills and all of that. So we are only collaborating with um, organizations, um, non-profit that produce free um, kids um materials, tech materials that could use um, to give children that are um, underrepresented in Africa good technological skills. So I feel all of this uh, <laughs> quite exciting at the moment. And I'm looking forward um, to also the Oscar Fest event, which is happening in four this time. So I'll be in Lagos in four this time. So yeah, that's the summary, a summary of everything that is happening. <laughs> Well, that's super exciting. I'm, I'm excited for you to get to go to the conference and talk to people in person about it too. It's always energizing and, and hopefully you get some new people signed up too. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's really, really, um, it's, 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 um, I, I mean, it's one of the reasons why we are in leadership, I think. Um, one of the reasons why we're in leadership is not just to, to make decisions and plus one and plus one <laughs> to decision is basically <laughs> going out there to be an ambassador to the project that you are, you know, working in. That's basically why we're in leadership. And that's it. Um, yeah. Yeah. What I, what I loved about the GNOME board of directors is that everybody was very actively involved. Mm -hmm. Like the board worked and <laughs> the board worked really hard for the project. Yeah. And I really appreciate that. Yeah. So thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you for appreciating that. Honestly, I feel like the GNOME project is very care careful around picking board members. And I, I see that when they pick board members, everyone is open-minded and willing to work with everybody. Like we listen to each other and we want to see how we could push the pro project forward. And that's what is required for any successful um, open source project to thrive. Um, they have a diverse, they are diverse at heart. And we want to always see how we can do better. So yes, I give it all for the board of GNOME. Um, so I have a few people here. I have a few people here. Um, I don't know if you have any question for Stomi that you would like to ask. Um, we could take the next five to 10 minutes for question. You could just let me know and I could unmute you and you can ask your question. Okay. Doesn't seem to me like anyone has a question. I'm waiting a little bit more. Okay, so um, you can always come back to this space to basically listen to our conversation in, the, in the, uh, maybe in about 
maybe four to five days, I'm going to convert this to a podcast and you could go to Apple platform or um, um, other podcast platform to basically listen to this again. And last question, Tommy, can people reach out to you if they've listened to this podcast and they feel like they will want to ask you some personal question? Can, oh, I have a request. Can people reach out to you? Absolutely. Um, this is on Twitter, so you can see my Twitter handle and feel free to reach out anytime. Okay, thank you so much. So yes, I've given you. And Joanna, thank you for joining. So yeah, you can speak now. Uh, thanks, Regina, for the for the podcast for the Twitter space. I joined a little bit late, but I enjoyed some of the discussions I found. And thanks, Tommy, for joining. I think I have a general question about uh, outreach and your experiences. Any of you can answer either Regina or Tommy. So one of the things, one of the difficult. Uh, for PSF, uh, I'm a director at the PSF, and recently we had the members lunch, and we were discussing the idea that okay, we we we're discussing the data last year, and we found that most of our we have a grants program that's very active, but most of our funding goes like to one part of the world uh, most of the time. Of course, uh, the US and other areas, and you find like Asia and certain other areas get like less than 10% of the funding. And it's not that they are rejected, it's that like there is no traffic, right? People are not asking for the money. Like we want to give the money and people are not asking. So I'm just asking, what are some of the outreach activities you have tried? I know Regina, you say that you're now, Genome is now sponsoring Oscar, which is uh, somewhere in Nigeria. What are some of the outreach uh, things that you have been trying that are working uh, to get some of these communities to know about Sometimes the money we have for them or the support we have for them. Yeah. So I, I, I think um, I have a, a couple ideas and Regina probably has a lot of great ideas to add too, since that's been a focus for her. Um, but one, I think it, it helps to like make it really clear that you want proposals from that part of the world or from that group of people. Um, so much like the GNOME Outreach for Women program that we started in 2006 or eight or so, like it was very obvious it was for women. We wanted women to apply um, so that they would feel welcome and know that it meant it was for them. So you could do an outreach program. You, you know, you could say you have grants for a particular part of the world, I think. Um, and then I think it really helps to like go out and solicit them. Like people in the area, if someone in your community is giving a keynote or asking people who they know and like going to people and say, hey, you're doing great work. Um, do you want to submit a proposal here for help? You know, like actually personally inviting people, I think goes a long way because I think a lot of times people have imposter syndrome and they're like, oh, I'd never get that or like, that's not for me. Um, so I think a personal invitation goes a long way. What do you think, Regina? Yeah, I, I I was going to say that. Um, and that's the truth. When I got into Gnome as well, it seemed like it was a very huge project and seemed like I wouldn't find my way around it. But I I saw that there was a gap, right? There was no Gnome present within Africa. 
at the time I came into Gnome, right? And so I felt like I could do something that would help to bring Gnome alive within the African space. And luckily for me, that worked out. But it wasn't, it wasn't an easy journey. But I also pushed further into projects we had internally. For instance, we had GSOC, we had Google Season of Doc, we had Outreach. These are already programs that we had internally within GNOME that has the capacity to bring in people from diverse places, right? So what I did was to speak to the maintenance of those projects and let them see that there is a problem. And so as, as, as a very, I don't know if this is unique for, for GNOME, to be honest, maybe for the people, but while I have this conversation, actions were taken immediately. We had people in Google Season of Doc coming from Africa, right? We had people in Africa, uh, in um, Altrichi coming from Africa. We had people from Asia. And then we were intentional as well around, and I wouldn't say we were intentional. I would say that Gnome understood that we had a problem. And so even within the board structure, we have our board members are diverse. We have a board member from Asia. We have a we have a board member from Africa. We have a board member from you know Europe and all of that. So that has helped us to basically know that there's there is a problem. Another thing I did, and this is something I did personally, was that I did a research in GNOME as a board member in my first boss then. So that means I went to different people. I interviewed them and found out and then brought out different teams of the problem we have within Gnome. And then I did a presentation to the old board members that look at the interview I did, look at what is said, and this is the problem we have. That interview helped us to basically tilt towards what we want to solve in this board term. Maybe I went a bit extra because I really want a change to happen, but I feel like these are also ways that you could help because Data cannot be disputed. I mean, data cannot be disputed. If people see that there is a problem and you go about it the right way, most people are likely, I used most people because I, I want to think that what I have within Genome is quite unique. Most people are likely to say, oh, let's look, let's look at this way. Just, just like we are doing at the moment, we only have three things we are focusing on. And one of it is diversity. We have local apps. And so we know what we want to do within this period of the bottom and how we intend to achieve it. So, and that's another thing. And like Stormy said, bringing it out there and going out to other conferences, to speak is another way to outreach. Um, you, you don't have to be a, a keynote speaker, but if you're a keynote speaker, the better because then you are showcasing your project more. You have to let them. You have to let people know that this project exists. We have this money, and I could show you how to go about this money. For instance, another thing I did when I was in the Gnome project was rather in the Gnome project was that I found that we have a Gnome University outreach program that is just seated. So GNOME has some of those projects, but they are not really, nobody to push them. So I began to push the project. What can we do with this project within Africa? Now we found that there was a limitation about getting funds down to Africa. So it's not now about, we want to do university outreach project within Africa, but it's about the policies around GNOME that uses particular pay, um, you know, payment stream to get money to Africa. So if I need to fund somebody right now, 
for instance, in Nigeria, to do a university outreach for, for the Gion project, I have to be more like a middleware. <laughs> do you, you know what a middleware is? <laughs> so like, I have to be, I have to get the money, help them to convert the money, get it across, except to begin to use things like Open Collective. And individuals as well are, um, have limited ways they can get this money. So now we are looking at ways we can re-strategize to see that we can get funds across different areas that want to basically, um, you know, support the GNOME project. So it could be also not that they are not asking for the money. It could also be that the payment channels within these locations, within, within this region is limited. So if you do not explore these options, you can't really know what barricade is or basically what is the stumbling block within getting people from different region to you know have something um within um and, and psf and all of that so i think this is just more like a summary of what i've been able to, able to find and gather you know within the, the genome project yeah and i hope i answered your question and stormed it too yeah thank you very much that was very helpful okay um do we have any more questions if we do not have any more question um stormy i really want to thank you so much for taking our time to be here with me today <laughs> it was a very wonderful conversation with you and thanks everyone for listening do not forget that i would be sharing this on a podcast and um and stormy i'll be sharing that with you as well and also an appreciation card just to tell you thank you for um joining open source stories with regina thanks everyone Thank you. I had a good yeah, time. Me too. Bye. Bye.